Welcome to the DHG podcast series with a focus on life beyond numbers with topics about people, careers and flexibility. And now, here's your host, our Director of Corporate Communications and All Things Fun, Alice Gray Harrison. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of our DHG podcast series. I'm Alice Gray Harrison, your host, and I love this venue because we get to hear about the things that matter the most to us, flexibility, careers, and of course, our people. Inclusion and diversity is an important focus for DHG, and with a great deal of resources, time, and energy that we devote to building an inclusive and diverse workforce. One of the programs to support this focus is our Women Forward program. In addition to firm-wide offerings, our local offices often have their own events for employees, clients, prospects, and even the larger community. Atlanta is hosting an upcoming Women Forward breakfast on May the 9th. Soon Me Kim, the global diversity and inclusion leader for Porter Novelli, one of the largest PR firms in the industry, will be speaking at the event. Soon Me is responsible for evaluating, developing, and implementing policies, practices, and programs that promote diversity, inclusion, and innovation. She's also responsible for fostering receptive mindsets and facilitating purposeful discussions to challenge the norms and make an impact. And I love that. And I'm super excited because we have Soon Me with us today. Welcome. Thank you, Alice Gray. It is wonderful to be here with you. So yesterday, Soon Me and I had a chance to talk prior to the podcast, and we made this wonderful connection that we're kindred spirits because we both have double names. We absolutely do. So I understand that you are the first person to have this role of global diversity and inclusion leader at Porter Novelli. Can you tell us a little bit about this role and and what kind of led you to it? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so I am relatively new to this role of diversity and inclusion within Porter Novelli, but I will say that the embrace of diversity and inclusion is not new. Just to get a little bit of background into how I came to this, I am not someone who has a traditional diversity and inclusion kind of path. I didn't kind of grow up in the human resources route. I really come from that client side and the account side. I've done some operations and practice leadership, but for me, what led me to this role is what I call a state of popcorn. And what I mean by that is I went through a period maybe four to five years ago that I don't know if it was just the age of my kids or where I was in my life, but just these ideas kept just popping up constantly and just being in this sense of just wonder and awe and thoughts and and so forth. And then I just started building that really into my everyday work. So that would show up in the service offerings that we would provide within our practice and within our office, how it would show up in culture, how I would manage, how I would train. So all of these things were happening while I was in my traditional practice leadership role and serving clients. With all of that, Of course, I had this multicultural lens already within me, but it led me to become really interested and focused not only on what was happening within Porter Novelli, but outside in culture and recognizing that there were implications for all of that within our workplace too. 
So I know that's a lot, and it may be a little <laughs> bit nebulous. If I could share a little bit of an example of that. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that happened back in, I'd say, July 2016, I think all of us were very aware of the shootings that were happening across the U.S., whether it be Elton Sterling, Philando Castile, or the five officers in Dallas. And that was something that first week of July where I know not only Puerto Novelli, but across the land, there were just moments of just sadness and confusion and not really knowing how to deal with that. And and we, I think as managers, saw that there was such big impact on our staff as they did their work each day and came in and, and ourselves as well. And not knowing like, what do we actually do in this case? One of my proudest moments within this organization is that we gathered everyone together and we kind of stumbled in, not really knowing what to say, what to do, what were the right words, what was the right tone, anything. But we gave everyone really the space to be silent, to be awkward, to share whatever was on their mind. And our managing director in the office at that time, I'm, I'm so just in awe of her, really just said, like, I don't know what to say. And, but she just laid their, laid her feelings just really out there very vulnerably. And one by one, folks started just speaking up wow. and sharing about, yeah, sharing about what it was like to, to drive while black, to have their loved ones followed by the police. We had others share about what it was like to have a loved one who is a law enforcement officer. We had others share about, you know what, I don't know what to do, and I am not a person of color, but I'm really crafty, and I would love to just create T-shirts that say Black Lives Matter for whoever wants them and just show you how much we, we care about you. And one by one, different people shared their experiences. The following week, we had people just over the weekend offer to to help with the crafting of the t-shirts. We had people to take pictures together with them and just in a a very small way showed that we really cared. It was just, again, one of the most meaningful experiences I've had in my career, really. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. So, So, yeah, I think, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead, finish your thought. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, like, so even in these moments that can be very unplanned, I think when you create the right culture and the right kind of leadership can make such a difference. Absolutely. So a lot. I'm going to take your lead here on culture. So in the media release that announced your role as the leader of diversity and inclusion, Brad McAfee, your CEO, is quoted as saying, at Porter Novelli, diversity is a strategic business imperative that is the foundation for driving creativity and innovation. So it sounds like it's at the heart of what you guys do. Can you share with us the linkage between diversity and creativity and innovation? Yeah, for sure. I think for many, many years, the ways that folks thought about diversity and inclusion was more of this kind of nice to have, it's the right thing to do, and taking it really from that standpoint, which that as a motivation is reason enough, of course. But beyond that, the research 
really shows and is starting to show more and more that the organizations that focus on diversity of in terms of gender, in terms of ethnic and racial diversity, and certainly even beyond that, they are more successful. There's a 2015 McKinsey report that shows that of the organizations that are among the top quartile for ethnic and racial diversity in their management, they had returned a 35% better returns over the industry average. Wow. Yeah, and in terms of gender diversity as well, 15 times more likely women on boards, their organizations have greater yields on their returns as well. So more and more what we're finding is that it's not only a moral imperative, it is becoming more and more of a business yes. driver as well. So yeah, I think that the business imperative and the moral imperative certainly go hand in hand. Absolutely. So at our upcoming event, you'll be speaking on the topic, Five Questions Professional Women Must Ask Themselves. And I got an opportunity to preview those questions. So I thought it might be interesting for our audience if we take a look at one of those questions. So when will we step outside our bubble and stop only hanging around with people just like ourselves? Can you give us a glimpse of what you're going to cover around this question? Sure. Alice Gray, as you're reading that, I'm really also recognizing, like, I could probably tighten that question up because (laughs) there's a lot in there. (laughs) But, yeah, what I find more and more, and this goes back to culture as well, but the truth is there are a lot of ways that we create isolation. There's a lot of, again, and they're self-isolating, and I do it myself. And we make decisions, I find, more and more that unconsciously or not, we choose in some ways to where we live, for example, our neighborhood Mm -hmm. that tend to look a lot like, you know, ourselves, the places we go to worship, the schools that our children go to. So many of these choices that we make can be very Mm self-isolating. And so what I see is that that's where workplace and workplace culture can be so influential mm-hmm. in opening ourselves up, even when we didn't know we needed to be opened up. So I certainly see that have been the beneficiary of being part of a, a local office here in Atlanta that is quite diverse, and I feel so enriched by that. And as an organization, when you can create a space where folks can be really themselves. They can bring the totality of who they are and that gets shared with colleagues and the organization. We're all so much more enriched by it. So yeah, that's really what I'd love to ask ourselves is, you know, are we doing these, making these decisions that impact ourselves and what more can we do to, to make that even better? That, I mean, and I think it's so interesting that you, you mentioned that when we were talking yesterday and I've thought about it a lot and thought about it, you know, even in terms of my own life and how, you know, everything sort of looks the same. I have an adopted daughter and she's Hispanic and so she's not old enough to go really to school yet. But when I think about where she will go, you know, to kindergarten, 
it is something that I will be very deliberate in the choice of where she goes because I want her to begin her education and her school life surrounded by diversity because I do, I totally agree with you that it just creates this rich sense of innovation and and just being able to to look at things differently. And, it, and I think it's so important. I love that, Alice Gray. I think that's so Right. I, I think even from that school as well as workplace and our, yeah. our other standpoint, it's so important to be around folks that are different from ourselves. Yeah. Going back to the question that you asked earlier about, you know, creativity and innovation, that's necessary not only in our workplace, but in every facet yes. of our lives. And when we are in non-homogenous teams, you know, the research really does show the teams are smarter, yep. that being around people that are different from you challenges you, challenges your brain to overcome different ways of, even stale ways of thinking and to really sharpen our performance and Absolutely. how we do. Absolutely. So I can't help but ask you this question because I find it fascinating. We at Dixon Hughes Goodman, we celebrate different heritage months that are recognized across the country. And so we have this upcoming celebration of Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Why do you think that it's important that we celebrate these types of months? Well, it's funny that you ask, Alice Gray, because there's so many of these different remembrances and honoring of different ethnicities and and so forth that, you know what, I didn't even realize that existed. So as somebody (laughs) who is Korean and Asian American, it's like, wow, I didn't even know that there was Asian Pacific Heritage Month really until even just a few years ago. But I am so glad that it does exist for a lot of reasons because what makes up specifically an American, I think it's so different than, you know, what even I thought about growing up. And these remembrances of heritage create a great learning opportunity. I think it is one that supports the, you know, your different employees and individuals in terms of their own identity and who they are and what they bring to their culture and as well as the workplace. But it also creates a great opportunity for others to learn. So just going back to that idea that we just talked about in terms of like these non-homogenous teams, creating these diverse teams, the opportunity to learn from others, to kind of hold that up and think about how you're different, but also how are you the same and where are areas that you can relate to? I think it's so important. I think we struggle with, you know, what is our identity here in 2017? Who am I and what do I bring? And, and when that is all, again, embraced as an organization, and I think it's fantastic that you at DHD support that and honor that. I think that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, and it's been really fun and eye-opening for me and hopefully for our people as we as we learn about the different heritage and cultures. So one last question, how does, I noticed y'all are diversity and inclusion, we put inclusion first, so we, how does inclusion and diversity play into our intrinsic desire to connect to something that matters? Well, I think that's really interesting in the sense that, you know, I'll speak to our millennials and let me just say, I love millennials. <laughs> I, I, I have a daughter who is a millennial and I have a Gen Zer a little bit past her that's a little younger than she is. And the millennials, as much as we, I think, want to uh, gag whether you're a millennial or not, every time we hear that term, get both the credit and the blame, I think, for this connection that we as organizations want to 
cater to and foster, which is this desire to connect with what matters. The truth of the matter is that we all want this connection, whether you're a boomer or you're from the greatest generation or you're an Xer. I think there's something that just is within us that really desires that. So what I would say as far as, you know, what organizations can do to support that, we really do care, all of us, that we want to be proud of the places that we work. We want, whether you are a consumer brand or you are a big brand, you are an H-to-H brand. I heard that recently. You're a human-to-human. And the values, we want our organizations to really embody that. They're not just words on a plaque that we want to to know that our organizations really will act on that, will support that, will be accountable to that, that we, in terms of our associations with our clients, whether it's our pro bono work, whether it's our CSR work, all of that are just a few examples of the ways that we can demonstrate that commitment and that connection to what matters not only as an organization, but to the communities that we serve and certainly the individuals that make up our workforce. I love it. I love it. Well, I feel like we could sit here and talk all day because I just think this is such an important topic, but I've reached the end of my questions. And so I say thank you, Sumi, for joining us and sharing your perspective with us. Well, Al's great. It's my pleasure. And again, I love meeting someone with double names like myself. (laughs) And we are super (laughs) excited to have you on May the 9th speak at our Women Forward Breakfast in Atlanta. And I know that that will be an amazing dialogue there as well. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Life at DHG, our premier podcast series. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll tell your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our DHG blog for more great stories about our life beyond numbers. Join us next time for another edition of Life at DHG.